Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Webb. And very special podcast today because there's more than just the three of us today. I'm joined for the first time in, oh, it's been almost a year, Vadim. Vadim Fermanov, our specialist on Ukrainian football. Vadim, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm alright. Um, yeah, it's been too long. Um, what have you been up to in the last little while? I was in Vietnam for 10 weeks watching football at ungodly hours. That's, uh, yeah. That, that, that makes sense. Um, I, I re- it usually get like little text from you in the WhatsApp chat at very weird hours. So, um, that now explains everything. So I'm really happy to have you back on. I'm really excited to talk about Ukrainian football because we do like, we like to chat about it every once in a while. And we would like, probably would like to chat a little bit more about it. But um, as you said, you're busy in Vietnam, so um, now back in the U.S., uh, hopefully we'll get you off on, on more often. But as always, um, I'm joined by Tim Bokterjev. Tim, bright and early morning over here. Um, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Manu. Thank you so much for having me. I'm full of energy to talk about Russian and Ukrainian football, so this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have lots of your interesting topics. Europe Champions League action as well. Really good news um, when it comes to the Champions League, and I know one guy is going to be very excited about that, and that's Andrew Flynn all the way in Siberia. How are you doing, Andrew? Uh, not too bad, Manu. Not too bad, thanks. I am more excited by the Ural Pavolta division, but Champions League will do for now. Mm, sure. That is the Champions League of Siberia, isn't it? <laughs> well, exactly. Precisely. It's what everybody's talking about. So, well, you know, in my own head anyway. <laughs> Those voices in your head are not lying, Andrew. Um, Andrew, quick question. What are you excited more for Ural Pavorgia or for your team Manchester United to start the season? Like, honestly. Actually, no, genuinely, honestly, it's actually quite a close run thing this time. Last season, it would have been a no brainer. It would have been Ural Pavorgia all the way. But I actually think Manchester United are looking a lot more exciting than, than I expected. So it's close. But, well, Ural Pavorgia is where it's at. So I'm going to have to say that. I heard the Manchester United beat up some team from uh, some minor team from London, based in London, close to Fulham. I think they are. Um, yeah, just some village team. Yeah. yeah, 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 playing out of Stamford Bridge. Anyways, um, let's focus on the things that do matter. And uh, as always, we do our little news bulletin. Um, I can't believe this is still a story. <laughs> <laughs> are they still in jail? Is this really true? Um, Tim Mamaev and Kokorin play football in jail. This time, both of them, it's August. When did we start covering this? Over a year ago. Yeah, so those two guys are still jailbirds, um, but got to kick around the ball. Um, explain this to me, Tim. Yeah, this is actually a very interesting story because, um, you know, the, so the whole thing happened in October when they got, uh, they, they did their stupid thing. And they uh, were under arrest, and then they <clears throat> finally got the jail time, and they actually will be out this year. Uh, one of them will be in November, and the second one in December. So they will be out by the end of the this calendar year. <clears throat> um, uh, Kakorin is uh, still under contract with uh, Krasnodar, uh, 
Nå ser du med meg for sånn kontrakt for klassen der. Hva går en kontrakt er? Så er det nå, så de kind of like semi-mode professional footballers, but uh, right now they they play the football game. They are jailed into the place which is very, very close to Kokorin's home in the city called Belgorod. So they invited the local team, which actually plays in uh, sec- second division. So Andrew might be familiar with them uh, very well. So they invited them to play a football game and it was actually a very, very interesting football game. It was played in, in, in the jail. At so like the football team, they traveled uh, to be there. And Kakorin, because he's from there, he knew quite a few players from that other team who plays in, like we said, in the, in the third tier of Russian football. So it was very, very friendly atmosphere. And uh, both of them, Mamayev and Kakorin, uh, did interviews and they uh, be- matured so much. I listened to their interviews and I couldn't believe that they, this is them talking definitely you know like the what you know what the jail is supposed to do to, like to make you a better person and to you know make you think about what you've done definitely work with them they're so much more mature and they're so much more you know like they say like they're all the right things and they're very very uh, cautious they both really really want to go back into the game uh but uh the game was quite interesting uh according to the Mayev's team won they both scored uh, goals it was quite an interesting game and after the game they had uh, both teams, they had, uh, in Russian, we call it Che Pite. They just drink a whole bunch of tea and talked uh, between them. So it was very, very good. Uh, and it was really nice to see it was, I think it was a pos- positive thing because like, I'm very negative about this story, but uh, watching them play and especially watching those interviews, you can see how both of them really matured. Unfortunately, it's still a story, but they will be out this season and they are full of energy to get back on the on. Uh, football pitch so hopefully not hopefully it's, it will be interesting if we'll see them both uh, still playing professional football so we'll obviously co- cover that but uh, like i said one of them is still in con- under contract and kakorin said that he will play for zenith for free for the rest of his career because they was so supportive to him right he did make what five million euros uh, a season so yeah he's got enough <laughs> savings <laughs> Hopefully, although I'm pretty sure those uh, champagne dinners, uh, champagne dinners in Monaco, didn't come cheap. So, um, what did they spend in 2016? Him and my wife over 300,000 euros in champagne, something like that. But funny thing that both they both work in jail because you have to work, and he makes 11,000 rubles per month. That's that's a slightly different type of salary that he he is used to. Amazing. Um, Andrew, is that an option for you? You know, if you run out of work, get get some. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm just listening to this. You get to play football. You get interviews on TV. Eleven thousand rubles is actually slightly above the the minimum wage in Russia, and it's it's not a, an amount to be sniffed at. Maybe that's all I need to do. Just go to Moscow, beat up some people, and have a pretty good life. <laughs> yeah, they even said like. They said when when we were jailed, like in Moscow, we didn't really know what was going. We were going to all those like jail, like how you call this, like when uh, when you hear and talk to the judge, all this stuff. He says it was very disorganized, like it was it was it was horrible. Right now here, it's very good. You wake up, you go to work, in the evening you play football, and then you do it all over again. He says it's very organized. We really like it. (laughs) (laughs) I really like this idea. Right off to Moscow I go. Right. Okay. Um, I, I'm a bit baffled with the turn this conversation has taken. So, um, yeah, need to need to set my bearings. And I think a good way to start is maybe with Kokorin's former team, Sinit, um, getting rid of yet another player by sending them to the, um, yeah, not quite jail, but you know, um, resort town of Sochi. Um, this is player number seven, Andrew. That's going from Zenit to Sochi. Is, is that yeah. basically, I mean, I don't like to use the word farm team because I mean, you know, back in the Soviet Union, they had these beautiful resort towns where they would send politicians to, um, semi-retire, right? Um, when they like basically fell out of favor. Is this what Zenit is basically doing now with FC Sochi? Well, they're certainly extending their influence, aren't they? I mean, it's, uh, it's quite remarkable how how many players from one team in one season can go to another. I remember last summer, of course, when uh, when Yenisei came up and they raided Amkar Pierre, and I thought, well, that was quite something. But actually, what I will say is, although it is an extraordinary number of players from 
team. Most of the transfers make a lot of sense. Um, Zabalotny was never getting any game time pretty much from the moment he arrived, really. Um, but I think Sochi's about, well, sounds a bit harsh, but it is about his sort of level. He's a, he's, he is a Premier League striker, but only for a bottom half side. Um, and, um, Ibrahim Salikov, for example, he was never getting a, any game time into neat, but he's a versatile player who do very well for Sochi, I think. So, um, yeah, I, I'm pleased for Zabalotny, though, because he, he doesn't get, I don't think, enough recognition because a lot of people will now see him as a, as a, I mean, like I mentioned, his level is lower half of the Premier League table, but you've got to remember he was in the Russia squad, um, only a couple of years ago, um, last 18 months or something like that. Um, and he's, he's a really, really nice bloke in, you know, after games, he always signed autographs of everybody who pays attention to journalists, um, and he's a very hard-working player on the pitch. So I really hope he gets a lot out of this move and scores a few goals, gets a bit of respect back. Um, so although we laugh at the, <laughs> the long arm of Zanita extending all the way down to the Black Sea, I think there actually is some sense to a lot of the transfer. Zabalotny's most of all. Yeah, he is even called Russian Ronaldo, but not because of like his technique, but because of how how hardworking it is. It's a known fact that he is super super hardworking. Like he mm. he works after the training. Well, the talent is obviously not there compared to the Cristiano, but uh, the level of, of uh, you know the hard work that he, he puts in and he actually tries. So like he yeah he gets lots of humor because he's a little bit clumsy and he sometimes doesn't score the obvious chances, but. Uh, he is super hard work, and I personally respect and like players like that. The, the Russian Ronaldo, eh? Um, this, <laughs> this, mm. that, that would be Cristiano, not, not Ronaldo, right? Yeah, yeah, Cristiano. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Um, <laughs> this is, that's, that's comparable to when they called, um, Atan Suba the Russian Slatan Ipanimovic. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, well. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to recover from this one either. It's, it's not a good morning for me in my transition. So I'm just going to jump right to then to, you know, it's, it's what's been really interesting. We had uh, Andre Schurle join Spartak Moscow and, uh, now Maximilian Philipp join, yes. uh, Dynamo Moscow. Um, is the Russian Premier League basically become a dumping ground now for teams from the world wanting to get rid of their players? Because it does feel like it. Last year, um, Schalke blessed Andrew Flint with Benedict Howardus. And <laughs> <laughs> this, oh, dear God, not that name again. <laughs> Andrew's favorite player of all time. A World Cup winner, nonetheless. Um, another World Cup winner, of course, sent to Spartak Moscow. We'll, we'll probably get to talk to him a little bit later down the line. And now, um, Maximilian Philipp, not a World Cup winner, but Actually, a player who about two years ago was considered one of the most talented strikers in German football joined Borussia Dortmund for a fee of 20 million euros. They recovered that fee because that's how much Dynamo Moscow paid for him. I think that is a news item in itself. We all kind of expected it would happen, but it's incredible the amount of money that Dynamo Moscow is spending at the moment. Um, Philip, a very good player until he had a very nasty injury in his you know, first few games under Peter Bosch last season, or season before last season, and um, never really got a foot in the door after that. And I think it's kind of incredible that, you know, Dortmund basically recovered the entire money that they spent uh, for him when he when he joined them from Freiburg in a transfer to Dynamo Moscow. I mean, Andrew, Dynamo Moscow, such an incredible story at the moment of what's happening there. Um, VTB once again going all in with their spendings. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's, it's a surprise quite how much they've spent, but, um, I think, I think the completion, like we mentioned last podcast, um, of the, um, of the VTB business park around it, the prime location that we talked about, it is suddenly a really attractive option, um, for players to join, but also, it's, it, I think it makes sense to, if they're going to start investing in the squad seriously, then this is the time to do it when they've got more source of income. Um, not just on match day. That's the key point. Um, you look at a lot of stadiums, 
just one stadium off the top of my mind. I can't quite think what it's called. Somewhere that Dinamo used to play was not exactly a place you would ever choose to go other than <laughs> for a match. Whereas now, people actually might want to go to the VTB Bank Arena um, and the surrounding area. So it makes sense that they're upping their budget, but uh, their spending budget, but quite to this level it is impressive. So um, it's just one thing I would mention at this point about Dinamo. A lot of people might be cynical about it and yeah, if we're being honest, I'm sure it's not entirely above board quite how they've managed to spend so much. But for me, I do like to see really historical clubs thriving. And Dinamo, they, they don't get much more historical than Dinamo. And seeing Torpedo Moscow in the second tier under Ignashevich doing quite well so far this season, I quite, I just like to see that. Um, I know people like underdogs, but I think you need the historical clubs in as well for the glamour. And Maximilian Philip, he fits the bill. Uh, how well he'll do in Moscow, I don't know, but I'm I'm pretty positive about the move. Yeah, could you imagine um, if they had like showed him Kimki? I don't think any money in the world would have convinced him. But yeah, that's that's just my personal <laughs> feeling. Thank, about it. <laughs> thank God they didn't have to money. Thank God they did. Yeah, all the money in the world. So a lot of people in Russia were, were hoping to watch Krasnodar. We we get into that in a little bit, but um, Match TV battle with Porto over broadcast rights. Yeah, uh, I think we need to kind of clarify this here. This is we are already in the qualification stage of the Champions League, but until the playoffs, the Champions League does not UEFA does not take care of the broadcasting. So all the clubs can actually pretty much manage their own broadcasting. And uh, from what it sounds like, Tim, Porto made a bit of a meal out of it when it came to their broadcasting rights in this particular match. Yeah, it was very, very strange because like the, 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 the match was announced on TV, on Match TV, that's the Russian sporting channel. And it just uh, absolutely like a few minutes, like literally like maybe 10, 15 minutes before the game, uh, the Porto side decided... Not to really to show the game, uh, they increased the price they asked for in like 10 times, which was absolutely unrealistic. And instead of the whole country, because there was preview, we'll hear Andrew's opinion on that because he was part of the, of those people who didn't get to see the game. But then, um, there was a preview. Georgi Chudansov was in studio and he was talking about everything, pre previewing the game and they were like excited to, to watch the game. We're doing the whole preview and then the game doesn't happen because Porto side really they want to show the game only on their uh, club channel, uh, so obviously not uh, much TV, and the, the game didn't happen. So instead of that, the Russian viewers watched Ajax Pauk uh, game. So, uh, Andrew, how, how was that experience? I read your all caps messages in our group chat, and you were not happy. Yeah, I, I was not a happy man. Uh, I mean, for me, all the way out here in poor, impoverished, Siberia. It was midnight and I, I had an early start in the morning, but this was such a big game. I thought I'm going to stay up and it doesn't matter if I get three or four hours sleep. Really, really pleased. I thought, here we go. Midnight. I've got my beer. I'm all ready to watch. And, and at first I thought I was. And just stop, just stop, stop, stop. Very important. What kind of beer do you have? <laughs> oh, um, this was, uh, <laughs> this Sibirska Corona. I'm loyal oh, to my you're, you're classic. You cut me without a knife. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't, I don't go too far down the chain. But Sibirsko could on this. Oh, that's a classic. Uh, I have to, have to. See. So uh, there I am. I've got my beer ready. Uh, my wife and kids have gone to sleep. It's the perfect situation. Turn it on, and the Luminayak game is on. And it, it was just such utter chaos, though, because it was so last minute. I've seen. You know what I find interesting about this? I've seen some very conflicting stories about this. Match TV really, really going in heavy on how Porto had, you know, messed them around and it was all Porto's fault and it seemed very believable. Um, and then I've seen a report that the Porto director of communications has come out, Francisco Reich, and he says that Porto set the price at 50,000 euros, which is quite high, at my understanding, for these sort of matches, usually around so 10, 15, 20 is about the standard price. And Match TV offered 15, they, uh, he claims. Um, and Porto are saying that Match TV were basically falsely claiming they couldn't transfer the money um, before the deadline. The deadline was 90 minutes before the game. 
And then Porto decided, right, fine, we're going to switch off all broadcast to the Russian region. And it was just, it was utter chaos. What I, I, what I find quite remarkable about this, and I'm sure people will correct me if I've got this wrong, but the, for the Champions League qualifiers, I know it's not technically part of the full competition, but I'm amazed that, that UEFA do not just simply say, you know what? We are selling rights for everything. The qualifiers, the competition, all in, because this is just absolute madness. Um, just, it's an utter free for all this. Um, and I, and I was left, uh, I was left high and dry. I had to, um, possibly indulge in slightly illegal versions of, of finding the game, um, which I do not uh, endorse at all. <coughs> um, yeah, uh, but, the, uh, disclaimer here, the Football Grad Network does not endorse any kind of illegal stream, streaming watching, no. and we never do it. <laughs> Absolutely not, no. no. Never, never. never. Um, but yes, uh, anyway, so um, long story short, there was no replays, no highlights. Well, I say no highlights, but actually, Match TV were quite cheeky. What they did was they basically hijacked the Porto Twitter app broadcast, which was on a two-minute delay, and that's what we were watching out in Russia. So uh, I don't think we've heard the end of this matter. Brilliant stuff. Absolutely amazing. Um, I want to bring Vadim in here because he put down in the news section, Andre Lunin, one of the most talented keepers Ukraine probably has produced in a very long time, um, plays for Real Madrid. He's been sent out on loan once again. What can you tell us about that? Under-20 World Cup winner, Andre Lunin, is also the best keeper of the tournament, so can't forget that. Uh, I thought he was going to stay at Real Madrid this season because apparently Navas was going to leave, but also it looks like Real Madrid cannot get rid of a single player no matter how little they want to be there. So Lunin was never going to stay and be the third choice, and now he's going to Valladolid on loan. I don't honestly know what his prospects are for starting there. Last season, last season he spent on loan at Leganes, but was mainly the second choice and just got some minutes in the cup. Hopefully, you know, this news just came out. I don't, I don't know what the Valladolid goalkeeping situation is right now, but I'm hoping he can actually get enough experience to maybe challenge for, for the Real Madrid, at least second choice next season, assuming Navas eventually leaves. Yeah, uh, Jim, could you please talk a little bit about just his performance at that, uh, at, the at the youth uh, tournament, because like you said, he, he was the, the best goalkeeper. I know that Ukraine won on penalties, so what was his role in that uh, tournament? No, it, it wasn't on penalties. It was a 3-1 victory in the final. But there was some penalty was during the playoff, maybe? Maybe I'm wrong, sorry. Uh, well, he didn't save. South Korea's only goal in the final was a penalty, which he didn't save. But he made a crucial save in that match at 2-1. Uh, he actually left the tournament for the quarterfinal, interestingly enough. Because Shevchenko called him back up to the national team when they were playing their qualifiers. He didn't play in the qualifiers. He was the second choice. But then after the qualifiers were over, he went right back to Poland, rejoined the squad, and played in the semifinal against Italy, where, in all honesty, he didn't have much to do. Italy didn't create all that much in that, in that match. But in the final, he was, he was, the one save that he made, Deflected it onto the crossbar, really saved the match for Ukraine, I think. And uh, he was recognized as the best keeper in the in the tournament. Uh, I think you know, a lot of people knew about him already. You don't just go to Real Madrid without people knowing about who you are. But after the tournament, uh, there's been a lot more hype about him. And loan doubts of via the lead, so hoping he can get a lot of minutes in La Liga this season. Yeah, I follow La Liga and I'm just looking at the uh, Valladolid squad. They have uh, Jordi Masip, who is a fairly good La Liga keeper. He is one of the... <clears throat> he looks like he will be number one and looks like Lunin will be number two. But knowing Valladolid, they will go for ups and downs as they usually do throughout the season. And I'm sure Lunin will get the chance and hopefully he will take the chance and becomes the number one keeper there. Yeah, I'm hoping at least, you know, at first maybe just Copa del Rey minutes. A lot of Spanish teams tend to, I think... Have one keeper, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, keeper for the cup, and plus they do home away, so it's uh, in 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 uh, Copa del Rey, so it means just more minutes for him. So hopefully he will he will take over and he will be like the yeah the. I really hope he will he will do it well in in Spain. Yeah, I hope his career doesn't devolve into just being sent out to a different La Liga team on loan every season by Real Madrid. Yeah, that's always a big danger, isn't it? When you when you join one of those very big clubs, that your development stalls a little bit because you're not getting playing time. 
But uh, Valladolid are owned by Ronaldo, the original, not the fake. Not Zabalotny. Yeah, not the not Zabalotny. Uh, the real Ronaldo. So, of course, um, Ronaldo, former Real Madrid player, um, I'm pretty sure that there's some sort of plan for him um, because, you know, they, they, there has to be some sort of succession plan and in place. And, um, yeah, Lunin, an amazing talent, an amazing goalkeeper. So I'm pretty sure um, that there is plans for him in place um, to get the playing time down the line. Uh, be a real shame if he didn't because they... I think the one way that you need to you develop as a player, you have to play. And you have to play lots. Um, after this Euro qualifying cycle is over and after Euro 2020, I think and really hope that he will take over from Piata as a number one for the senior side. I think he's already a better keeper, to be honest. Which is not a stretch. Um, everyone who knows this podcast a little bit knows how that I'm a huge Piata fan. So, <laughs> um, Boys, I want to get into some of the results. From last weekend, before we talk a bit more about Champions League and Europa League and Ukrainian football, so let me just rattle down the the Russian Premier League results. Um, Orenburg Tambov two two, Dynamo zero two to Zenit. No Philip in that that game yet. He would have probably made all the difference. Krasnodar one, Ruben zero, Arsenal Tula one, Ufa zero, Lokomotiv Lokomotiv Moscow who Andrew. 4-0 to Ural. CSKA Moscow 0-0 to Zenit Sochi. Um, Ahmad 1, Spartak 3. Wash. Wash. Rostov 1, Grilya Soveto 0. Hmm. What should we start with, boys? The positive or the negative? Um, I have a 4-0 here, Andrew. <laughs> I, I don't know which one you're talking about. I, I think I think Spartak had a good game, didn't they? No. <laughs> yeah, it was a very good fine, game. It's, it's, it, 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 we can't avoid it. Let's let's get it out of the way then, I suppose. Um, but no, in in all seriousness, would um, I'll have a major major problem? And I spoke. You asked me what it would take for them to make that step up uh, last week to, mm. you know, possible European challenges. And I said it then. It's it's, it's you don't need much insight into football to see that there is absolutely no defence to speak of, and there hasn't been for quite some time. Oral have the most incredible run of only one clean sheet in something like 13, 14 months at home. Um, but away from home, it's just horrific. And they regularly have conceded the, the most goals in the league outside the bottom two. Um, it's, there's just no organisation, and I said it. I said it last week. I'll say it again. You put a defensive midfielder and a fourth choice centre back together without the slightest attempt to change it up, and this is what is going to happen. Um, and it, what disappoints me is that Ural's recruitment is is good. They do scout slightly lesser known leagues for better value players, and they've had some fantastic pickups like Manel Kabir from the Swedish league. Um, and they went into the Polish second tier to get, uh, let, well, they, they got a, a Lega Warsaw player and a second tier player, um, who have joined the season. Both of them were looking promising and yet they didn't address the defense. Um, and again, you know, I, again, we said at the beginning of the season, um, which teams did we fancy? And I said, I think Lokomotiv's first 11, if they stay fit, is not quite the best first team, but one of, um, I think there's a squad that will challenge them over the season, but they had their full strength side out and they played well. Smolov is a great centre forward when he's on form. And uh, the Miranchuk brothers, well, they need little introduction. But I'll look, look desperate, to be honest. Um, and they're going to rely heavily on their home form if they're going to rescue this season. But, um, yeah, not a, not a good day at the office. Yeah, not a good day at all. Um, Tim, let's leave Andrew alone then, shall we? It's, 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 I'm pretty sure you're ready. To talk, <laughs> talk um, about this this result. Um, I'm looking at the lineup here, Tim. All the new guys on the pitch, and uh, a 2014 World Cup winner scoring a goal. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'll just I'll just let you talk over the through this real quick here because I, I'm pretty sure you're raring to go. Yeah, Alek Konolov 
he has been the coach of Spartak Moscow since November. Uh, we're in August right now, and this was the first game we, of my team which I enjoyed watching. So it has been almost a year of complete nonsense and uh, absolutely nothing. But this was the first game uh, which I, I honestly enjoyed watching. Uh, there was a little bit of a local drama because uh, former Spartak's cap- captain Denis Glushakov, he moved on to Ahmad Grozny, so it was Glushakov's derby. He started the game for Ahmad and he didn't really do anything, but uh, Spartak just really impressed, and especially all the new players impressed. Like you said, the World Cup winner, <clears throat> uh, Andrea Shurli, uh, scored the goal. Um, Gustil, who is our new, who plays in a really like number 10 kind of position, a uh, new player from uh, Netherlands that was his debut, he was absolutely phenomenal. He uh, created all three goals. He did two assists, especially one goal which he created for Zilimhan Bakayev, who scored two, who is our young uh, up-and-coming uh, player. He pretty much pressed the defender, got the ball, and really passed the ball to Zilimhan Bakayev in a very, very attacking and very good position. He was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Jordan Larson, who is the son of Henrik Larson, he didn't impress as much, uh, but he was still aggressive and he was attacking. So all the new players which um, we got really, really impressed. Uh, the young star, Zilafan uh, Bakayev, scored two. I'm not super, super excited about him because I'm just being cautious, but like the all the players, especially uh, Gustil, just up. Absolutely impressed. Uh, absolutely phenomenal uh, result. And your man, Andreas Schurli, he just became our new leader, our new uh, favorite player. He's so he's so lovable. He's so he really enjoys his life in Moscow. He's really nice to uh, fans. And yeah, wow. Just your thank you for sending us your World Cup of, uh, winners, not the one which you sent to Lokomotiv, but the, the, the better ones. <laughs> yeah. Um... Absolutely, um, fantastic start by Andre Schurle. Um, and I, I can hear the, I can hear, you know, your, you really picked up on us a little bit. Um, the last, yeah, since what? When well, since November. Yeah, since November. You've been always very, every I, time you talked about Spartak, you kind of brushed it off really quick. Um, really big game coming up for Spartak. Oof. Andrew and Tim, um, the, the derby. One of the big derbies, CSKA against Spartak Moscow, um, next Monday. And of course, we have Dynamo Moscow against Lokomotiv Moscow as well. So, um, I don't think many cities in the world would do two derbies at the same time. Let's, let's talk us through real quick before we move on to Ukrainian football. That's going to be a massive weekend in the Russian Premier League, um, Andrew. Absolutely. It's going to be, it's going to be huge and particularly so because of the, well, I'd say resurgence, the revival of Dynamo and Spartak. Um, can I just say to him, it is an absolute pleasure to hear for the first time in almost a year, you using the words absolutely phenomenal about your team. I'm really <laughs> pleased for you. You know, it's, it's about time you deserve to say it. So I'm really pleased. With you. Um, and actually, you know, your game against Tesco, uh, it's, it's, I have to say it's going to be a thriller. I, I do not know which way it's going to go. Um, You'd have to, you'd have to say with the momentum, um, I thought, I believe it's the first time that Spartak have scored three goals in two consecutive games in something like eight or nine months. Um, you're at home, uh, Tiska are not scoring a lot this season. I think they've only scored what, three, four goals this season. Um, you'd have to say with the momentum that you'd be pretty confident. And I, I'd, I'd say this is a game that Spartak now should be looking to win. Which is not something I thought I'd say at the beginning of the season. Um, Dynamo home to Lokomotiv as well uh, is another very finely balanced game for me. Um, it's the sort of game you'd imagine Yuri Siemin is going to be cautious, do his usual thing, keep it tidy for the first half and try and wear them down. But if Maximilian Philippe comes on, um, you say he's a young, well, at least former promising player, perhaps still promising player, probably to prove, uh, Clinton and G will get excited. Um, and it, 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 the possibilities are endless. I just cannot wait to see what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. The derbies are always, always a fantastic thing. And, you know, that's really in, in Moscow is one of the few cities where you really have, um, this, this kind of setup where you can have two derbies at the same weekend, you know, with the amount of teams that they have. But, um, speaking of derbies, and I'm going to make the smooth transition here to Ukrainian football. 
<laughs> yeah, my first good transition today. So, whew, finally got one. Uh, usually my transition game is much better. Um, Vadim, so good to have you on because every time we do have you on, it seems to really involve this particular game. And this is one of my, the games that, you know, a lot of people around the world always watch out for because it is a big game. Um, the big derby in, in Ukrainian football, Shakhtar Donetsk against Dynamo Kiev. Um, this feel will feel like a lot like a bit of a Dynamo Kiev crisis part. And before we go into the, the, the disastrous Champions League game, let's, let's talk about the Shakhtar Donetsk game first, because this is a big game in Ukrainian football. How did this one turn out? So this was, so Dynamo just won the Super Cup two weeks ago, which, you know, is either a glorified friendly or an important trophy, depending on how your team performs in it. But this was an immediate, immediate chance for Shakhtar to get, to get revenge for that. And they did. They won 2-1. Uh, the score probably doesn't reflect how much better Shakhtar were on the night. Uh, they got the opening goal through a brilliant back heel from somebody very familiar to Dynamo Kiev fans, uh, Junior Moraes, former Dynamo Kiev striker. Uh, Dynamo did manage to equalize through their new Luxembourg Bergian? I don't actually know the correct adjective for that. Uh, the new striker from Luxembourg, Gerson Rodriguez. But Shakhtar ended up winning through a goal from Marlos in the second half. Uh, overall, Shakhtar looked much better, much more confident. Even though they have a new manager, uh, it doesn't look like they're the team that's transitioning into a new era. Whereas for Dynamo Kiev, that's almost always the case. Yeah, Shakhtar's new manager. How did you find the, the playing style? I mean, they went from one Portuguese manager to another one. They always, they always go with foreigners. Um, how did you find the, the playing style has been differing for them? I think speaking Portuguese is a requirement to apply for the vacant Shakhtar managerial position, to be honest. Yeah, I think so too. Just because of the amount of Brazilians, right? But, uh, Luis Castro, um, we do have a piece up on him on, on footballgrad.com, the new head coach. He, he, Sadness and Julio Paulo Fonseca, of course, one of the most talented coaches maybe in that Ukrainian football has seen in the last 10 years going on to Roma. Um, he said that he would be more about defensive stability. Did you see any of that in this game? I don't know yet exactly how the style has differed from, from Fonseca. I think it's a little bit too early to say. He seems to prefer a 4-1-4-1 formation and Alan Patrick who actually isn't isn't the most popular player among a lot of Shakhtar supporters. Yeah. He's playing a more a more active role. Uh but when you talk about Shakhtar and defensive stability, the fact is that they they are very thin at center back. Uh they have Matvienka, Krivtsov and Khochalava and I don't think that uh, they also have Valery Bondar who played at the U20 World Cup, but he barely gets any playing time and I think of those three center backs Shakhtar just do not have enough stability there. Khochalava has not been in great form. Matvienka is also error-prone occasionally. So if he wants to make a transition to a more defensively oriented side, which will be necessary when they play in the Champions League, uh, they need to go back on the transfer market. Yeah, probably sign another Brazilian. Um, <laughs> let's, let's talk about Dinamo Kiev then. Um, you put down on your notes here. Sihankov disappointed. Of course, you mentioned the goal by Garrison already. Sihankov, a player that a lot of people around the world are watching for and expecting big things from. Um, but yet in the big games, is someone who maybe needs to do a bit better? He's coming off a preseason injury. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe that's something to do with it. But he has not had a good start to the season. Uh I would say he drifted in and out of the match, but that would be sympathetic because I don't think he ever really drifted in to begin with. Uh, and in the Champions League against Bruges, which, which we'll get to, it, uh, it wasn't much better. And I also wanted to say a few words about, about the new signing, Gerson. Uh, so he, he only had really half a chance. Uh, of just, we already mentioned him, but made this absurd volleyball style save and knocked the ball straight up into the air. And Gerson was the first there and headed it past Gata for his debut goal in his first match in the league. Not a, not a bad first match to score in. Uh, overall, you can see that he's a really technical player, very skillful. I think he still 
not integrated well into the squad and almost trying to do too much instead of keeping it simple. You know, I think he's really trying to endear himself to the supporters already. So, obviously, he's only played two and a half matches. It's way too early to for any kind of verdict. And, well, with the upcoming new manager, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, uh, I, have, I have high hopes for him, but it's still really early to to, to say how, how Gerson will do with the squad. Yeah, I, I think we we kind of need to stay with Dynamo here um, and, and transition into the Champions League because that's a that's a result that Champions League football is so important for these teams that are not from the big leagues, right? Because they generate a lot of income and um, Dynamo Kiev missed out on it and then we're not even at the playoff stage yet. We're at the third round of Champions League qualification. And Dynamo Kiev going out 3-4 on Akregard to Club Bruges um, in a game that was very exciting. I mean, this went back and forward. Um, lots of opportunities and Dynamo actually coming pretty close at one at one point to overturn um, the they, they result from the first deck, the 1-0 defeat, right? Um, but the... The consequences of that game were that Katskevich has been fired. Um, this is something that some of people might have expected a little bit earlier, right? Yeah. Third year in a row failing to qualify for the Champions League group yeah. stage. Ever since there's been a Champions League group stage, Namaki have never gone three years without taking part. And that's, that's a big deal, right? But, huge. you know, is when you, when you look at this result in particular, Ukrainian football, aside from Shakhtar Donetsk, um, not what it used to be, you know. The is is Club Bruges, is that a level just above, or is this a team that they should have beaten? Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. I think it's a team they should have beaten. Uh, I on, honestly, I think Dynamo Kiev have the players to qualify for the Champions League group stage and to challenge Shakhtar Donetsk for the title, but the manager has been severely lacking in his ability to actually build a solid squad that can compete. I'm not saying, you know, they're, they're not going to compete for the Champions League, but maybe under Rebrov, they made it to the Champions League group stage, got out of the group once. Uh, finished third place once and, and dropped back down to the Europa League, which is really more of their level, to be honest. But but still, I mean, you're, you're not even getting past the, the third qualification round of the Champions League, not even making it to the playoffs. And every year, except last season, to be fair, last season they lost to Ajax, uh, and Ajax had an amazing run in the Champions League. But, but the the other, they're not they're not losing to teams that are better than they are. This is a team that should be able to beat Club Bruges. Club Bruges, I mean, they, they scored three goals in the, in the second leg. Uh, the first, and one of them was off a corner and the last two came at the end of the match when Dinamo were playing with two defenders. Um, and in the first leg, the only goal was a penalty. So, you know, I, I just don't see why a team like Dinamo Kiev should be struggling to even make it to the playoff round of the Champions League. So, so what's next? Katskevich gone. What? Where do you go from there? Oh, I have no idea. Uh, this, I, I literally woke up to this news. Uh, I was hoping for it, but there's, I, I have absolutely no idea who the next manager is going to be. I really hope it's not another 
internal appointment. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Surkis has this obsession with the uh, Dinamovsky Serce, the, yeah. the Dinamo heart. Uh, so almost every manager has been somehow associated with Lobanovsky and played for the, played under him. And it leads to appointments of people who aren't actually qualified to be the manager. And I really hope we don't see that again. Uh, Verni Dub, who was a manager of Zoria for the past five or so seasons and really turned them into the third, Ukraine's third, third best team. Uh, he's been, he's been named as a potential candidate. Uh, but those are just, uh, maybe wild rumors. Maybe there's something in there. Uh, something else I saw, uh, Rebrov, who's now at Ferenc Baros in Hungary and won the league last season, but his team just got thrashed 4-0 by Dinamo Zagreb at home and also got knocked out of the Champions League. So I don't I don't know I don't know how secure his position there is. I don't really want to see him return. Uh he had a really good spell. He won the league twice. Uh, I don't know if he wants to take over this Dinamo and potentially tarnish his legacy. Uh foreigners maybe. I don't I don't know if Surkis is willing to splash the cash. One of the weirdest rumors was was Luchescu. Uh, Luchescu went to the derby in Kiev, and for some reason, the Romanian media decided that this was a this was a sign that he was going to be appointed by by Kiev after Hatskevich was inevitably going to get fired, which is an odd one. Uh, I think if the Romanian media reports that, we can safely go with the opposite. Uh, I I would be shocked if Luchescu would take that Dinamo Kiev shot job. I mean, there's a statue out of him outside the Shakhtar Donetsk Stadium, right? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a ridiculous rumor. I've also I've also heard names like uh, Alexei Mikhailichenko, who was a Dynamo legend in the '80s and was the manager of Dynamo without much success uh, earlier this decade. So that would be a typical appointment. Yeah, uh, so that's probably the safe bet. Uh, Vernadub would be a really interesting appointment, I think. That's, could... that's what I'd like to see. You know, he's a Ukrainian manager, but not one that's you know part of the this this uh, Dynamo establishment. Had some success with Zoria, uh, really, you know, especially considering they're one of the teams that, that play in exile. Yeah. A lot of times he just had to rely on, on loan players from, from Shakhtar, from Dinamo, and yet still managed to make the side competitive in, in Ukraine and for a couple of seasons, uh, you know, Euro- Europa League group stage as well. So I, I think that would be a really interesting appointment. And I think, I, I honestly think that it's his dream job. Mm. In some interviews, he's he's for a while. I thought he was actually gunning for Luchescu's job when Luce, after Luchescu yeah. retired. As we said, he's not a Portuguese speaker, so that was never on the card. But for Dinamo, I think if Surkis is willing to go outside of you know the the Dinamo family, he would be an interesting addition. Uh, I think he would be the logical choice. And we do get to talk about Soria um, in just a few moments. But before we do, um, I want to get our Russian boys back in. Andrew, you did not watch the match. You couldn't watch the match because, you know, we don't endorse illegal streams. Um, so I'm a, absolutely I have no idea what happened. I, I not no, anything. No, I had no idea what happened. Uh, it seemed all very doom and gloom. I, I read your preview on footballgrad.com about this return leg for Krasnodar against Porto in Porto. And, um, you said something about huffing and puffing and they just couldn't get it done. Um, I'm pretty sure your, your result did not, the, the result that you tipped was not the result that we actually ended up getting. Um, but they did it. Um, 3 2 in Porto going through on the away goal rule. That is a big scalp for Krasnodar to claim. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's huge for so many reasons. I mean, just on the basics of the first leg being a 1 0 defeat. Um, I, it was about the ideals. Well, obviously, as many goals you could score was great, but it's a, an uh, excellent result for Porto um, away. And, you know, Krasnodar have been cagey in away European games. I'm, I don't mean that in a negative sense. They've been, they've been able to largely contain better tides away from home, um, or at least keep them down to just a single goal here or there. Um, but my word, they just flew out of the blocks. And Porto were, it was just so strange to watch because I felt in the first leg, Porto were very well organised and they were very difficult to pick up because they played that slightly narrow formation. It's, it's quite hard to pick up. It was like a 4-2-2-2. Um, Musa Mariga up front, I thought, was just 
excellent in the first leg. He dropped back, he dictated play. But, um, yeah, I, I, one of the surprises for me, or well, two surprises for me in the team selection, was Marcus Berg starting again because he was absolutely appalling in the first leg. He's so immobile and just way off the pace. I cannot understand why. I know there have been issues with Ivan Ignatyev's personality and the management has been poorly advised with contract negotiations, but this is not a time to be, um, you know, trying to put your foot down. You need your best players, your most mobile players. Um, but Shapi Suleimanov starting, he very, very rarely starts. And uh, just, I mean, 3-0 up within half an hour away to a former European champion for a club that 11 years ago didn't exist is just little short of remarkable. But in one other thing that is so critical to remember is the coefficient points. Portugal are so close to Russia. Russia are sixth at the moment. We have three Champions League places. Um, and if Portugal overtake us, the next round, by the next round of, um, of places that are decided, I think is in at the end of this season, or the season after, then Portugal will go back to having an extra place. So to beat a Portuguese team is so, so important for Russia, not just for Krasnodar. Um, and now, Olympiakos in the next round, I would say is a is a very winnable tie, and then the the world is Krasnodar's. From then on, they get a group stage campaign. The money that will come in, the prestige that will come, the players they'll be able to attract. Um, it's it's really quite exciting for the potential that Krasnodar can achieve from here. But um, yeah, they held their nerve. They held their nerve well, and and you know Porto coming back two goals in the second half. It was really on a knife edge, but Krasnodar held the nerve. I'm just, I'm just so proud of them. Yeah, Tim Olympiakos, doable, eh, in the next round? Yeah, I think so. Well, at least more doable than Porto, because I, I, I was 100% certain that Krasnodar had no chances with Porto, because Porto is a very experienced uh, Champions League side. Even they always go through those to rebuild, because they sell all the best players. That's the full football business plan. But at the same time, they have players like Pepe, and like in general, they have so much more experience than Krasnodar. I was 100% sure that Krasnodar will be out, so good for them that they made it through. Uh, I think Olympiacos is also, they not have been having the, the best time um, over the past couple of seasons, uh, but at the same time, we know how important for uh, for the Greek, Belgium, Ukrainian, Russian side qualification to uh, the group mm. will be, so they will be fighting, and also it is always very uh, hard to play away in Greece, so I think it's another test for Krasnodar, but purely on paper, and like Chris Williams says, the football is not played on paper, but uh, I think uh, Krasnodar, they have all their chances, and like I said, in my opinion, even more chances than than against Porto. So I was very impressed with that result, and hopefully they will pass it through Olympiakos, and we'll have for the first time in history three uh, Russian teams in the group uh, stage. We never had this before. Uh, we had two, and we had all this the third team qualifying, but they never qualified, so this has happened. It will be a truly historical event. Yeah, I think there's a very good chance of this happening. But Tim, why not have you here? Um, mm -hmm. good away result for you boys in the Europa League. 3-2, three, three away goals against Toon. Um, surely you're gonna see it out in your Kiki Arena. Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, it was a good game. Again, good performance. Like you said, three goals in, in two games. And Andrea surely didn't score a penalty, which he, uh, er earned. And, um, overall Spartak was superior, but then, uh, we got a 10 minute kind of not blackout period, but we really, uh, got two goals and um, uh, against, but obviously Spartak was a more superior side and um, getting three away goals that was uh, that was very very important. And uh, playing at Akriti Arena right now, obviously team is like on the high and um, you know good energy. The the new players are melting, uh, you know joining in. So I, I think uh, it shouldn't be a problem playing against Toon, uh, but. Honestly, at this point of the season, they just need to get job done. It doesn't matter how, because we have two big, big games coming up. We get, have a derby against CSKA, and then in, in uh, the game after, we get we have a game against Zenit before the first international break. So at, at this point, I don't really care about how they do it. They just need to qualify for the next qualification round of Europa League and then focus on the derby. Yeah, and that's not the only Europa League match that we're going to preview. Vadim, Mariupol... Um, Facing Arts at Alkma in the second leg, the first leg zero zero. That's a very good result uh, in in Chonomora. It's a day the stadium Odessa. 
Um, yeah, they don't they don't play their European matches in, in Mariupol. Yeah, you know, we, we had the story about Dynamo Kiev refusing to go there because it's so close to the Donbass, right? Uh, yeah, it's that, and also the stadium doesn't have sufficient turnstiles, yeah. so just not UA for quality. Yeah, that said, um, outside Alkma is not allowed to play at home either because part of their stadium collapsed. Um, that, that, the, the pictures from that are just incredible. Yeah. It's so lucky that that didn't happen during a match. That would have been disastrous. Uh, absolutely, and it, I mean, I've I've lived in the Netherlands and I've been to that stadium, and it's a beautiful facility. So it's it's really a shame that they're not playing in that in that stadium. But obviously, as you just said, um, because I think they had a game there two days before that, uh, and it did not happen during that game. It happened afterwards, and they're still trying to figure out what exactly went wrong. But you know, this game now taking place at the Ardu Den Haag Stadium in Den Haag, um, which is about 90 kilometers south of Alkma. Um, Closer than Odessa is to Mariupol, that's for sure. Well, exactly. So not exactly, you know, it's hard to, to shed a tear for Alkma there. Uh, do you reckon Mariupol has enough to get through there? Well, the first leg was really, the nil-nil was down to the heroics of the goalkeeper, uh, Rustam Pujamov. If you look at the highlights, it's it's really it's it's really a highlight reel of, of a lot of a lot of his saves. Uh, I don't know if you can you can ride, you know, you can just rely on your goalkeeper to get you through two legs, especially if you know the, the second leg is at home for Alkmaar, effectively, even though it's not at their stadium. Uh, I just wanted to point out something interesting. After after the first leg, the Azad manager Arnis Lot says the Ukrainians invented counter football. Uh, I don't know if that was him nicely trying to say anti-football or what, but uh, I I'd never actually heard that before. Hmm. Uh, I don't know where he got that idea, but that that just is a is a glimpse of how Mariupol played in the first leg. If the Azad manager thinks that Ukrainians invented counter football as a result of that performance, hmm. have to look in what uh, Louis van Hal said about Lubanovsky in his. Uh book. When I lived in Amsterdam, Louis van Gaal came out with a, a massive, massive book. I think it was over a thousand pages on uh, basically his history of the world football and tactical football. And Lewandowski apparently has a big chapter in it. I, I don't think I can get myself to read thousand thousand pages of uh, Louis van Gaal. Um, <laughs> Andrew Flint knows exactly why. But... Um, you know, so I don't. I, I I'd be very surprised if Mariupol went through. Uh, you know, they 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 played a nominally a four-five-one in the first leg, but at times it was almost like a nine-one, and I don't know if you can you can keep that up for 180 minutes over two legs. Mm. Azad are. I, it's only the the Eredivisie is only two matches into it. Azad are in first place right now. Yeah, uh, they they're a good team. They well run club. Louis van Gaal did actually speaking of Louis van Gaal. Louis van Gaal won the Eredivisie with Arce Alkmaar before he joined Bayern. So um, oh, I didn't know that he was the manager then at the time. Yeah, he was the manager at Arce Alkmaar, won the Eredivisie with Alkmaar, and then moved to Bayern. So this is a very well-run club. Um, I mean, all the Dutch clubs are, um, with the exception of maybe Twente Enschede. Um, they are all oh. very well-run clubs. Um, Just as an aside, Den Haag has also had their own problems. Yeah. Uh, New absent Chinese owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a couple of exceptions, but for the most part, they have very good youth setups. And very, you know, the Dutch, I think, in many ways, invented modern football, didn't they? Um, but Vadim, Mariupol, not the only team with a good shot of getting into the next round. Soria at home. Um, you have to say at home. In reality, it is the Slavutic Arena in Saboriska, right? Yeah. Uh, that's um, an asterisk. Yeah, an asterisk, because, you know, Mariupol might be close to the conflict in the Donbass. Luhansk is right in the middle of it. It's very close to the Russian border. They have been in exile as long as Shakhtar Donetsk have been. It's a story that doesn't get quite as much attention as the Shakhtar Donetsk story, probably because they're not playing the Champions League, but they have been in the group stage of the Europa League now twice, right? So, um, you... Yeah, they've already gotten past the team from Montenegro. Yeah. But, uh, four-one on aggregate, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But still, I, they 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 played the second leg with 
11 men against 9 men for most of it, only managed one goal, so the supporters weren't exactly pleased with that performance anyway. But, you know, they, they drew 1-1 away from home, uh, I think, against uh, Tessica Sofia. Uh, so, I think they're in a good position to qualify for the next round. Uh, they, they, so we talked about Vernidub earlier, so he, he left at the end of last season, and their new manager is Viktor Skripnik, who, Manuel, you probably know very well from his yep. time in Germany. Yeah. So I think he's trying to transform the squad, make it more, you know, the style, make it more possession based, and it's going to take some time. I don't think he's implemented all of his ideas fully yet, and I don't know if he's settled on an ideal lineup. But having said that, I and mean, they're they're in second place in in the three matches in, they're in second place in the Ukrainian Premier League. I'd give them 75% chance to qualify for the next round of the Europa League, and it'd be great to see another Ukrainian team. Now we have, well, Dynamo Kiev are automatically in the Europa League group stage now. We have uh, Oleksandria, who are from a really small town, but are surprisingly, unlike unlike in the Netherlands, not a lot of clubs in Ukraine are well-run. Oleksandria is one of them, mm-hmm. and they're all in the group stages. I don't think Mariupol will qualify, but it'd be really nice if Zodiac could make it. See what Skripnik can do in Europe. Yeah, of course he has the experience, right, with Werder Bremen. Um, yeah, and then he was here for a season. Yeah, it's really interesting, a really interesting character. I'm really curious to see what he can do um, at Soria Luhansk. Um, because, I mean, Soria is actually a well-run club as well. Yeah, they, they for a while they were pretty heavily reliant on Shakhtar loanees. Uh, but there was kind of a falling out between the clubs. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, for, for the, for the situation they find themselves in, for limited resources, I think they're one of Ukraine's better, better run clubs. Yeah. Uh, and Mariupol, on the other hand, and it's not that they're poorly run, but they're effectively Shakhtar's farm club right now. Ah, yeah. So really interesting to see those games, of course, will all take place, um, on Thursday. Then we are straight from this week's, I mean, the action just keeps coming. We're, we're going straight from the, the qualifying stage to the playoff stage, and that playoff stage kicks already off next week. So lots more football for us to cover. Um, we, we're going to have tons of previews up on uh, the Football Rat Network, um, you know, be it on footballstart or footballrat.com. Um, all of that can be found at our Twitter feed at Football Rat Live. But before we go, um, Vadim, where can people find you? Uh, on Football Grad, I'll be trying to write a lot more about Ukrainian football this season, and on Twitter at V Firminov. Absolutely Very fantastic easy. stuff. I know you have the uh, match day recap um, going from last week, and um, hopefully a tradition that we can revive a little bit, because those have been, always been very popular. Um, so looking forward to that. Andrew, I know you're doing the... You're not doing recaps, you're doing previews on the, the Russian Premier League. What else is going on in your life? Well, I mean, you can always find me at the Gerlog Stadium outside the Shalma stand. Yeah. Um, but in terms of social media... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, well, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, only the finest. Only the finest. Um, if, if you're at all interested in my slightly odd little journey, you can follow my thread that's pinned to the top of my Twitter page, which is at Andrew M.I.J. Flynn, where I post videos and updates of matches and things that are happening following Chumen all season. Um, but yeah, uh, previews, uh, Russian uh, Premier League preview will be up uh, sometime tomorrow and European previews as usual on footballgrad.com. Yeah, Sparta preview will be up by the time um, this podcast is out. Tim, what about you? Any punk rock concerts, festivals, etc. going on in the greater Vancouver area that listeners just need to go and attend? <laughs> yeah, of course, I'm planning. I'm always planning something because this is how I live my life. Uh, but, um, yeah, I just I took a little bit of a break. Uh, like I said, I'm enjoying the rest of the summer after Rocket from Russia Festival. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you can still find me at the Russian Team 61 at the Twitter and Rocket from Russia on Instagram. And this is going to be great. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Make sure to follow both those. Here we go. Uh, the, the Ukrainian bookmakers just released the odds of the next Dynamo manager. Uh, Jose Mourinho is only 200 to 1. Oh, that's a good bet. Oh. If, he, if he, any of, of our listeners want to um, waste $200 or $100... Um, <laughs> any amount of money. Yeah. Uh, Imagine that. Remember when we linked Jose Mourinho to Sinit? Um, I'm, I'm still convinced that Jose Mourinho will become the next manager at Bayern, but you didn't hear that from me. 
Um, speaking of Bayern, that season is starting soon, so they, those previews will be up on fußballstadt.com as well. So, yeah, lots of content. You can find all my stuff um, at Manuel Veth on Twitter um, or at Football Grad Live over on the main channel. Boys, that's it from this week. Uh, the time flew past way too fast, and I hope that we don't have to wait for another year until Vadim uh, graces us again with his presence. So hopefully have you on very soon again, Vadim. Well, guys, that's it. Until next week, Dos Vedania. <laughs>